Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Michael Benner, and this is Six of Six in the Fly program. Fly meaning feeling like yourself. And we're going to talk about peak performance. This takes a number of forms. We'll talk a little bit about sports psychology. Mostly, I'd like to focus on that aspect of peak performance that is physical pain control and accelerated healing. Imagine that. And then for those who go beyond the free podcast and are subscribers to the premium audio, the full 90-minute meeting, we're going to add a program on accelerated learning as well. So there's a lot. Sports psychology, accelerated healing, pain control, and accelerated learning too. It's going to be a busy day here. We have a lot for you. But it's all based around the same principles, and that's using relaxation, meditation, contemplation, reflection, there's lots of terms for it, with visualization or guided imagery, a kind of a self-hypnosis, really, to boost your performance in sports, to accelerate the natural and normal healing system. The miracle is not that we can heal quickly when we visualize ourselves getting better or control pain in the same way. The miracle is that it happens automatically. What we're going to do is accelerate it. We take for granted the fact that we heal without giving it a thought. But when you put your mind to it, and apply your thoughts through visualization and a deeply relaxed level of mind, you can accelerate that natural and normal process. That's what we'll talk about. And then, as I say, for those who are subscribing to the premium audio program, we'll have an accelerated learning program as well. So let's begin with the sports psychology. It's very similar to fly number four, which is visualizing your desired result. It was Walt Disney who said simply, if you can dream it, you can do it. Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says the same thing in a slightly different way. He says, begin with the end in mind. And we talked about goal setting in our fly number four, the importance of setting a goal is not really to be determined that you're going to attain that particular goal. The value of goal setting is to get you off dead center to determine a general direction and create some momentum or inertia, get you moving in the direction of the goal. Now, as you approach your desired outcome, your result, your solution or goal, you may change your mind a little bit. You may want to modify it. You may decide you want the red one instead of the green one, <laughs> or the big one instead of the medium-sized one, whatever. You get to change your mind, and you'll have more information from which to do that as you approach the goal. But if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a specific outcome in mind, what we tend to do, which is completely ineffective, is try to avoid making mistakes. Now, imagine an archer, 
or a rifle or pistol shooter on the target range, trying to hit a bullseye and get a high score with the attitude of, I sure hope I can avoid missing the target. I know that's a little convoluted. You may have to think about it for a minute. But trying to avoid missing the target is not a way to bring your bullet or your arrow to the very center of the target. You have to put your attention right on the bull in the center of the target. Relax, take a breath, let a little of it out, and then hold your concentration as you release the arrow or gently squeeze the trigger. And so it is with anything else. Trying to avoid messing up or making a mistake is simply going to increase the likelihood that you make the very mistake you're trying to avoid. Can I give you an example of that, a famous example? Do not think of a purple cow. And, of course, immediately an image of a purple cow flashes in your mind, even though I told you not to think of it. In other words, the way the mind works is you sort of have to think about something in order not to think about it. You, you, you have to frame it or create a context. Purple cow, what is it he wants me not to think of? Oh, yeah, a purple cow. So when you say, gosh, I better not forget this, what does the subconscious mind hear? Forget. And what does it feel? The dread of what would happen if you did forget even though you're saying, I better not forget. I sure hope I don't forget. But who's teaching us to say instead, gosh, that'll be easy to remember? Well, I'm teaching you to say it, and I hope you'll pick up the habit. It's funny, often, uh, let's say you head for the car and you close the front door, and suddenly you remember that you left your briefcase on the table or an important document, and you have to go back in the house and get it. And you beat yourself up, and you go, oh, to yourself or others, I forgot my uh, briefcase or that folder. I got to, excuse me, I got to go back in the house and get it. Well, you didn't forget. Why are you reinforcing the fact that you forgot? You only got two steps toward the car, It's not like you got all the way to work before you realized you left it at home. You took a couple of steps, and your mind brilliantly reminded you, hey, you need that document, or you left your briefcase on the kitchen table. So pat yourself on the back and say, good memory. I just remembered, you see, because that's the truth of the matter. You did just remember. Why would you say, oh, I forgot? And then some people will deprecate themselves even further and and find this uh, artificial humor in saying, gosh, I'm so foolish or stupid, I'd forget my head if it wasn't screwed on. <laughs> Why would you talk to yourself that way? You'd never let an authoritative, influential person talk to you that way. You'd never let a hypnotist talk to you that way. Why do you talk to yourself that way? And if you don't, well, good for you. You're an exceptional individual. Tell yourself, good memory. I just remembered. Gosh, that'll be easy to remember. 
and be positive and goal-oriented in all of your affairs. If you don't know what you want, listen to fly number five. We've got tools to help you with that. But when you do know what you want, you must put your attention on it. Now, that's the essence of sports psychology. And the first aspect of peak performance is to visualize exactly what you want. Sports psychology goes back to the late 1960s in Eastern Europe. And one of the markers here in the United States was a book written in 1973 by a graduate of Yale University named Tim Galloway. And he was a golfer. He wrote The Inner Game about golf. And then I think he followed up with An Inner Game about tennis. And then we were off and running in the 70s and 80s and 90s to the point that now in the 21st century, every sports team, every college team and many high school teams Every athletic team that's involved in the Olympics, professional sports teams, uh, independent golfers and tennis players or team sports people, they all understand the power of visualizing, often with slow motion movies in your mind's eye, the particular goal or outcome that you want. Long term, Like before the game, close your eyes, relax, and feel how it feels to win. Maybe hear the announcer on the PA saying the final score and saying to yourself, yes, doesn't that feel wonderful to have won that game or that match? But there are short-term applications as well. Before a volley in tennis, before you hit a drive or chip or putt in golf before each stroke. You could do a little visualization exercise. A batter in a baseball game as he or she comes up to the plate could do a little exercise in the on-deck circle where you just either close your eyes or if that's difficult or uncomfortable, you just sort of soften your focus and use your imagination, your ability to visualize the mind's eye to see yourself relaxed, maintaining concentration on the ball, using the best form, hitting the ball, driving in the run, hitting a home run, popping a single into center field, whatever, okay, whatever is your goal. And this works for every game, you see. So you can have short term for each stroke, each at bat. If you're a player in the field, uh, could be a soccer player, it doesn't matter what game it is. It's about maintaining a positive attitude and visualizing yourself performing at your best. Back in the early 1970s, before anybody ever heard of Chuck Norris, he was a kickboxing promoter. And he came to Detroit, where I was doing radio at the time as a young man, still in my mid-20s. And I did an interview with him about the kickboxing championship that was going to be held in Detroit's Cobo Hall. Again, this is the early 1970s. And We started talking about martial arts and about Bruce Lee, who had 
just died a few years earlier, and I asked him about visualization, and he perked right up. His eyes sort of widened a little bit, got a little brighter, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, uh, all the best martial artists know about movies of the mind and practicing in your mind's eye in a state of deep relaxation, often with slow-motion movies, anticipating what your opponent is going to do and seeing yourself as a form of training and rehearsal, doing it perfectly, doing it as well as you could imagine doing it. Years later, in the mid-1980s, I developed a program called Alpha Juggling with my business partner, Steve Snyder. And we taught this for a few months. And actually, we're teaching people to juggle three balls in a night. Within two hours, we could teach people to juggle. And the way we did it was just like anybody else would teach somebody to juggle, First one ball, you practice that, and then two, that's called a jug, leading with the right hand, kabump, and then the left hand, kabump, and then you go to all three balls. But what we did that was different, what made it alpha juggling, was between each step, we had our students close their eyes and imagine doing that step, that stage, perfectly in their mind's eye, visualizing in this state of deep relaxation. And we suggested to them that in the movie of their mind, the ball would move in slow motion and leave a dotted line trail. So this burned right into their brain an image of what it is that they're trying to do. And that accelerated the learning process. Now, I want to for the podcast people here, because we only have about the first 20 minutes for you folks, I want to touch on pain control and healing because it's exactly the same process. The first time I did this was at the dentist many years ago. I told the dentist what I was going to do and said I need two or three minutes to prepare. And they're used to that because usually after they give you a shot, they have to wait two or three minutes for it to take an effect. So I said, give me a couple of minutes to work on this. I'm going to use self-hypnosis for pain control. Most dentists have seen this, so my dentist was not too surprised. And I closed my eyes, took a few slow, deep breaths, and relaxed, as we often do here in the mystery school. Got to a nice, deep level of mind, and then visualized crushed ice around the tooth that the dentist was going to work on. In addition to that burning feeling of the cold, cold ice numbing the area, I thought for good measure I'd throw a couple of toggle switches like you might see on the dashboard of a sports car. Click, click, click. The idea, the suggestion to myself that I'm disengaging, pulling the plug, opening the circuit, so to speak, and turning off the pain receptors. And then I gave myself silently and internally the suggestion, only pleasant and pleasurable feelings, because I knew from my study and my research that I would still feel everything the dentist was doing. I just would feel nothing 
that was painful, right? You don't really go numb when you do pain control with the mind. You just put a cap on the sensation so that beyond a certain point, you don't feel anything you'd describe as painful. If you do, you take a breath and relax even deeper and let go. It's the resistance, the tightening of muscles, the gripping of the arms of the chair, the arching of the back that amplifies the pain. So if you let go, breathe, relax, feel safe, no pain. You feel everything, but nothing called pain. Now, what my dentist noticed right away was that whenever I did this for pain control, instead of the Novocaine or the nitrous oxide or whatever, the healing was accelerated as well. So I did more research. And I found out that the techniques, guided imagery or visualization and deeply relaxed meditative states, those techniques for accelerated healing were exactly the same as the techniques that I was using for pain control. So it didn't matter if I did the accelerated healing, I'd be managing pain inadvertently and vice versa. If I did the pain control technique, the healing would be accelerated. And there are countless books now that have come out in the last 35 or 40 years about guided imagery or visualization and relaxed states of mind that even put cancer into remission and can do other remarkable things. Probably my favorite is Dr. Simonton's Getting Well Again. It was written in the early 1970s, but I think you can still buy a copy of it. And there are other books like Bernie Siegel's Love, Medicine, and Miracles, and countless others, if you do the research, that shows scientifically that relaxation with visualization. And the new research also shows that basic mindfulness or vipassana, insight meditation, will accomplish the same level of detachment. So... There's a little bit on sports psychology, pain control, and accelerated healing as forms of peak performance. It's about all the time we have for the podcast, people, so thanks very much for being here. The premium audio people, you guys stay with us because you get the full 90 minutes, and we'll continue on here and actually do a technique or a process, as well as add a program about accelerated learning speed reading, improving your memory, overcoming performance anxiety for taking tests, how to study, some really valuable information that falls into this peak performance category. If you're listening to the podcast and have never subscribed, go to our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E comes after the W, so it's the HTTP part. Most people aren't using the W's anymore. Then theagelesswisdom.com. And click on podcasts and premium audio, then on premium audio, and you can subscribe just like a magazine to an upcoming 
issue or edition of the program. If you purchase one, you'll get the current program. There is also an option to purchase 13 programs or for the deepest discount, a full 52 premium audio programs, approximately 90 minutes in length, somewhere between 70 and 100 minutes. All right. So theagelesswisdom.com, click on podcasts and premium audio. You'll see the button there. And then click on premium audio when you get inside. And you'll be able to sign up using PayPal and your credit card or debit card of choice. Okay. To the podcast people, thanks a lot for being here. Hope you'll join us on a regular basis. Subscribe at the iTunes store or listen streaming via Stitcher. No need to download when you use Stitcher on your smartphone or tablet. Stitcher.com. Look up Michael Benner's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.